Hi, I'm Terry David Mulligan. This is Tasting Room Radio, Year 17, a project that started in a studio in a barn on the Naramata bench. Great fun. We're going to wrap up the second half of our coverage on the Victoria Whiskey Festival and the Canadian Whiskey Awards. My thanks to Devin Kergamo for steering me in the right direction. We're going to talk to Bob Baxter from Two Brewers in Whitehorse. They are a brewery. Then they decided to to start a distilling side to the business. It turned out to be a huge success. We're also going to be talking to Rob Carpenter, co-founder and Callum Ray, distillery manager of Holyrood Distillery in Edinburgh. Rob, by the way, is Canadian. And then, because I couldn't find them, two follow-up interviews with the Whiskey of the Year in Canada. Complete surprise turned out to be Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario. And we're going to talk to Irma Jovier and Michelle Debus, who have just started their whiskey career and won the whole thing. And like Sons of Vancouver before them, were not in attendance because they didn't expect to win. Speaking of Sons of Vancouver, James Lester and Sons of Vancouver won another box full of awards, and we're going to find him as well. So, this is our whiskey special, part two. Again, thank you, Devin Kergamo and his producing partner, Heather Leary. Off we go. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by the Okanagan Wine Festivals. These are just some of the events ahead. A New Year's sparkling celebration at Bench 1775, February the 10th. Valentine's Day, you can enjoy the Sweetheart Dinner at Inkbeep Cellars, See You Later Ranch's Valentine's Dinner, or Summer Hill's Valentine's Extravaganza. And February the 22nd, it's the Aging Gracefully Vertical Series at Ex Nihilo, or at Township 7, indulge your senses while you leap into your cellars, embrace the rare occurrence of the leap year as they uncork vintage library wines. Find all of the details at thewinefestivals.com. This is Tasting Room Radio. It's the 18th Victoria Whiskey Festival. We're, gonna, we're going with 18 until someone corrects us, okay? Uh, and we're in room 352, Grand Pacific Hotel. As I said at the top of the show, it's Hockey Day in Canada. And Ron McLean and group are in behind me. You can see him over the other side on top of Milestones, right? We'll wave once in a while. What we have here is White Horses in the house. And I have the co-founder of uh, True Brewers, Bob Baxter, and his daughter, Corey, has joined us. Uh, she can do anything she wants. She can just sit and heckle or whatever. But as, as a matter of fact, it's nice to see you again because it was a couple of years ago when we last talked. It was indeed. I was remembering that when uh, uh, when it was mentioned that you're around. I thought, yeah, that rings a bell. I'm looking at your accomplishments uh, over the last couple of days here at the, at the awards. You talk about making a statement. You come in here and you win three gold, release 41, release 36, release 37. You win two silver, Yukon Single Malt Whiskey, 38 and 39. But I think it was 41 made a splash, didn't it? Uh, yeah, 41, they decided or determined that it was the Canadian Single Malt of the Year. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, it impressed us. How does that happen? What, what basis do you have to touch in order to win that award? Um. Well, it starts with the whiskey that we make, which the fermentations, which are beer forward. So we're brewers first. Uh, So all of the grain that we use is, uh, we use roasted malts and chocolate malts and honey malts and grains that we would use if we're making beer. Um, That's really uncommon in the whiskey world. Usually it's just pale barley and that's that. Um, So I think it starts with the grain. Um, 
then through the fermentation and onto the barrel aging. And I think it really helps that we started 15 years ago. Uh, so a lot of the liquids that are coming out are not four or five years old or 12 or 14 years old. And age isn't everything by any means, but age is not nothing either. So um, I think putting those things all together and at the end of the day, the folks that we have blending for us um, seem to have some talent. They seem to have some palates. And um, you can take all the right, you know, if you were a chef and you had all the right ingredients and the best ingredients, but you couldn't put them together to save your life, you'd have a crappy restaurant. Well, our guys put it together real well. Uh, and I said this previously, and I'll say it again. It, it is an art form. It's not just making whiskey. It's it's an art form. It's like a painter using uh, uh, colors, palettes of colors, except yours is liquid. We gave a class an hour ago, and that exact example came up in the class of how bad an artist could make a painting if they were like me as an artist and couldn't even draw a cat, or how great they can be if they can get the colors and get them just right, and also knowing when to stop, right? An artist could always put one more little dab of paint somewhere, and they know when enough's enough and it's right. Um, and our, our blenders seem to know what's right. And how long does it take to know when it's right. How, I mean, that's an instinctive thing. It's 100% instinctive. It's certainly not time. And my opinion, it's not trainable other than you training yourself. So it takes, I know that when we're doing, uh, building an expression, it's often done at home in the kitchen because you don't want distractions. You don't want the phone ringing. You don't, you know, so, um, and it's something that over time, you just, you start to pick out the nuances a little better. But if you don't start at the right place, you'll never get there. I, I truly believe that. Bob Baxter, Two Brewers. Do you think young people can make whiskey? Young people who haven't lived this life and, and, and consumed vast quantities of, of liquid? Sure do. And I hope that I'm right because uh, while Corey's here with me and she's in our marketing department, um, and I don't think has ever built an expression. I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, my son is now taking over as our head blender. He's still working with uh, the guys who've done it before, but he just turned 30. Uh, he seems to have a real good palate and a real good ability to just play and play and play until he has the eureka moment. And that's, I think, what it takes. That's a big deal to have family involved. It's a big deal for us to have family involved. 100% it is. Uh, I'm so proud of them. What was it about the 41 that put it over the top, do you think? 41 is really interesting in that it's uh, it's got a bunch of special finish. Uh, it's got some port barrel finish, some sherry barrel finish, some brandy barrel finish. Um, it'd be very easy for those to not play together well, but these ones really play together well. Um, and the, to me, the brilliant stroke that we did at the end, we took 6% of the liquid in that bottle is peated. So there's just this little puff of peat that comes through for some people on the nose, for some people on the finish, for some people never, for some people both. But... We're trying to make all of our whiskeys layered and complex, and that little puff of peat in there really adds a special layer that I think probably might, might have pushed it over the top. I mean, who knows? Uh, Bob Baxter has been on this show previously talking about two brewers, but he has really, really hit a home run this year. Three gold, two silver. If there were 100 people downstairs and you said, how many of you people love peat in your whiskey, what would the percentage be of hands up? All I can tell you is that our peat takes about uh, twice the time to sell through as non-peated. So that's probably the percentage that are, you know, real, real peat fans. Um, and that's, we've done this before where we use peat as a piece instead of peat as a thing. In fact, this is not considered a peated whiskey, but it's got some peat in there that gives it a layer that, that surprises people. 
What can you find, uh, what can you access, and what do you use locally that goes into your, your whiskeys? Uh, water and brains, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that all the grain comes from somewhere else. It's all malted somewhere else. Uh, but really, you know, I, I, I like to make the point that you can have great grains and great fermentations and great aging and screw up that blending at the end. Uh, so when I say water and brains are deproofing water, is excellent because yeah. uh, we've been brewing with it for 27 years. We know how good the water is, uh, but it's the brains. It's the talent to make that painting of the cat that looks like a cat. Do you believe in gut instinct? Sure do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bob Baxter, the co-founder of Two Brewers in Whitehorse, Yukon. Okay, Corey, who's the whiskey fan for your dad's whiskey? Everyone. We did a, an event recently a whiskey event, whiskey and food pairing, and we kind of expected that the tickets would be all uh, people my dad's age, and we were very surprised to find that most of them were about 30. It was a much younger crowd than we anticipated, and that was pretty cool, but it was a mix, I think, kind of by and large. Was that, was that in Whitehorse? Yeah, in Whitehorse, yeah. How about uh, Alberta? How about Alberta? What, what, are they, what kind of whiskey people are they? Not really sure. Do you know? Well, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, we know, don't know either, and quite honestly, we don't have the money to do the research to answer that question with knowledge. But you get feedback. It's gut instinct uh, that you just asked about, for sure, and feedback and processing. Uh, but we do a class like we just did an hour ago, and there was everybody from 25 to, I'll say 85, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> in the room. So um, I I don't really know what makes a an appreciator of whiskey, and Quite honestly, I think that our customers are, are those who appreciate good whiskey because I think it is very good uh, and can get the nuances in, and understand that the number one selling pasta in the world is Kraft Dinner and that Kraft Dinner is not pasta, <laughs> right? So, you know, there's some great whiskeys out there, but what we're making is not Kraft Dinner. Bob Baxter, the co-founder of Two Brewers in Whitehorse, Yukon. Okay, uh, what did you bring to pour? I brought two of them here, release 41, and that was kind of obvious as the Canadian single malt of the year. And that's the one that has a little puff of peat in there. So uh, did you want to try some? 41, please. Thank you. I can do that. 41. And uh, what effect can winning that award have on sales, profile, friends, new friends, old friends? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and, you know, not to be boastful, but we've won awards before. And at the end of the day, tomorrow's a new day. And, and it's really hard to parlay that into anything other than our own confidence that what we're making is good and we should keep making it and we should try and improve. So, you know, and quite honestly, I say this and it sounds snarky and I don't mean it to. I don't really know that we care so much. We make our payroll selling beer and we make whiskey for fun. And if Terry loves it, I think that's fun. I, I almost came to tears that, with that. Sorry, that just, that's good. That's good, good, that's good. You cannot, you cannot sip fine whiskey and have conversation at the same time. It's not <laughs> going to work because you're thinking about the whiskey. Now, how's the beer business going? The beer business, we've been in it 27 years, and it sure has changed a lot in the 27 years. I mean, we were pretty early actors when it came to craft beer. Uh, now we're pretty old stuffy craft beer makers right we always used to joke that uh, we were popular because no one wanted to drink their dad's beer and now we are their dad's beer <laughs> so so yeah it's a, it's a marketing challenge for sure but i mean the business is good uh, but we have to be nimble did you taste anything downstairs that turned your crank anything you've, you've tasted while you've been here whiskey wise yeah i have not had a drink of whiskey yet but uh, that's coming 
Isn't that research? Uh, of course, that's why it's coming. <laughs> but I have to I have to have my head on to I find like we're doing the consumer tasting tonight. Four hours of talking to people, and if I've had some whiskey first, I need a nap halfway through, so I'm trying to avoid that. That was just beautiful. That was a beautiful, beautiful taste. Now, what's the other one? The other one I brought is our Release 40, and uh, we categorize all our whiskeys into into um, umbrellas. Uh, and the, the umbrella for this one is innovative. It's a very different whiskey. Um, we worked with a coffee roaster in Atlin, B.C., actually, who wanted to age coffee beans in a whiskey barrel, some green beans and some finished ones because they didn't really know what effect it would have, but they wanted some whiskey tones in their coffee. So we gave them barrels to work with. They filled them with beans. We got them back, put whiskey in them, and we went back and forth a few times. Uh, so this whiskey has not a drop of coffee in it, uh, but try some and tell me there isn't coffee in it flavor-wise. Um, and the coffee tones that are in it, to me, they're coffee, but they're also dark chocolate and, you know, that... When you have an Americano that's got that chocolate backbone to it, I think that's what this has. Okay, we're going to go taste that 40, but one more thing. What's the future hold, you old wise one? What's, <laughs> what, what's, gonna, what's happening to you uh, at, at your, your, your place of business, and what's happening to the whiskey world? Well, it's interesting because uh, while we started making whiskey, we bought her still in 2009, so we're kind of old dogs, and you could say that we had a vision, but we didn't. We just wanted to have fun. Um, but now there's a whole bunch of people buying stills and making uh, single malt in Canada. And my guess is there'll be an ocean of it coming, uh, some of it amazing and some of it that should have stayed in its barrel. But um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Uh, so I think that the the single malt world is, is evolving. Two brewers, Bob Baxter and Corey. She's kicked him twice. Um, <laughs> So three gold released forty one released forty one released thirty six released thirty seven single malt whiskey of the year, and uh, two silver Yukon single malt whiskey thirty eight and thirty nine all available. Uh, they're available in Alberta and BC in the Yukon, of course, and we do sell online. So if you're in Canada and you want to buy some, check out our website. Not bad, not bad at all. Nice, nice to catch up with you. Really nice to see you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for this. Let's taste. What's your website? TwoBrewersWhiskey.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by the Okanagan Wine Festivals. These are just some of the events ahead. A New Year's sparkling celebration at Bench 1775, February the 10th. Valentine's Day, you can enjoy the Sweetheart Dinner at Inkabeep Cellars, See You Later Ranch's Valentine's Dinner, or Summer Hill's Valentine's Extravaganza. And February the 22nd, it's the Aging Gracefully Vertical Series at Ex Nihilo or at Township 7. Indulge your senses while you leap into your cellars. Embrace the rare occurrence of the leap year as they uncork vintage library wines. Find all of the details at thewinefestivals.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery and Bistro on the Naramata Bench. Well, Valentine's Day is coming up and we ask the question, what's even better than a bouquet of roses? a bundle of rosés. They've put together a special Valentine's Day-themed six-pack, two bottles of Below the Rose Rosé, three bottles of Hillside Rosé, and one Soiree Elm Rosé Fortified. In order to receive those bottles by February the 14th, order your bundle by Wednesday, February the 7th, and enjoy complimentary shipping on your bundles. You can find all the details at hillsidewinery.ca. This is a Tasting Wim Radio and Terry David Mulligan at the uh, annual Victoria Whiskey Festival and the Canadian Whiskey Awards. 
Our guests are Callum Ray, the distillery manager, and Rob Carpenter, the co-founder of Holyrood Distillery in Old Town, Edinburgh. I wanted to know if there was a, a role in Holyrood. Roll your R's if you want to be proper Scottish, but uh, yeah, it's a, a Holyrood if you want to. That's what I needed. Yeah, man. That's what I needed. Rob, uh, is it true that I read somewhere that you are in fact Canadian? Yes. Grew up in Prince George, did all my university and first job in Vancouver, ended up in Fort McMurray, and then Calgary. Oil? Uh, yes. And how did you end up in this business? Uh, have you have you got the short version of that? Short version is my wife and I took a bit of a career break in 2004-2005. I did a master's degree at University of Edinburgh. We got bit by the Scotch bug, the Edinburgh bug, Scotland bug, um, all kinds of viruses. And uh, this seemed like a really interesting career change for me after many, many years of practicing law. And how did you find that next step? How did you find a spirit distillery? Uh, had some friends in Scotland. We worked together on finding a location and developing the idea and doing a fundraise and, and construction. And uh, we opened in 2019, started distilling in September. And here we are. We've got our first whiskey out. Yes. Tell us about that whiskey, Callum. Uh, so this is the inaugural release from Holyrood. Uh, it is called Arrival, and it is one that we're really excited to have out in the world now. Um, it's uh, quite traditional for uh, the what Holyrood tends to do. We're a very experimental Scotch uh, distillery, and this is more us playing around uh, with the kind of classic distillation style. So 100% pot still malt, classic distilling yeasts, and we've got some lovely PX, Oloroso, and rum casks at play here. So, yeah. I'll tell you what's also at play. Is it people's first uh, impressions? And who are these people? Who are these people? Are they banging the walls? Do they come in quietly and shake hands? Or do they break down the door and kick it down? How did you, what was your approach for this first? Because it's your opening night. Well, as Callum says, uh, this is a very traditional whiskey, but we're not a very traditional whiskey exactly. distillery. And so, yeah, we'll, we've made some noise uh, in terms of our production approach and the malts we use and the EC we use, and we'll continue to do that because we want to prove there's a different way of producing Scotch whiskey. You had to agree on what this first was, first one was going to be, the arrival. You had to agree on that. How long did it take to come to that meeting of the minds and the tastes and saying, okay, that's what we want to make? Uh, it was actually a very like organic process. Uh, it was a, a room of around, I think about 10 or 12 of us um, from all across the distillery. You know, it's not just the kind of uh, liquids team that are involved in this. We want everyone that's at Holyrood to be a part of this so that we can all be proud of it. So sat around, we're lucky enough to try a bunch of samples. You know, that's a very good day at work when you're drinking whiskey for a living. Um, and we all, I think it took us essentially two days to put this together. Our guests are Callum Ray, the distillery manager, and Rob Carpenter, the co-founder of Holyrood Distillery in Old Town, Edinburgh. Did you also think about what we wanted, we, the, the whiskey fan, wanted? Absolutely, and that's part of doing this in a collaborative way at the, at the distillery with lots of different people with lots of different tastes. Because instead of having one master blender who decides, oh, that's what I love, this is a group of us going, we think that's fantastic. Not only was it your first, it was the first for where you were producing. Tell us about that story. Yeah, when we opened in Edinburgh in 2019, we were the first single malt distillery to operate in the city in almost a century. So that's pretty cool. 
What did that say about the business of distilling and spirit making locally, uh, and why did it disappear for 100 years? Well, Edinburgh was really more of a beer town. It did have a couple of distilleries, but it was really more of a beer town. Um, but it did have the occasional distillery here and there over the, over the centuries, um, as you do in Scotland. Um, it was lovely to bring it back. Okay, I, if I put this microphone down, I could actually taste, but I can't do that because I have to ask you, uh, uh, Callum, maturation, I wrote maturation question mark. Tell us how you get to this point. So um, it's uh, the big contrast between uh, brewing and distilling is you have to be patient if you want to make whiskey. So um, this is a relatively young whiskey, but we really don't believe uh, too strongly in age statements. So this is a three and a half year old spirit we have here it's some of the first liquid that was laid down um at Holyrood and I think it's just a a sign of things to come and we're you know you mentioned kicking the door open we've done that but we're also holding it open for people to come behind us as well um and we want to kind of show that you can innovate within scotch um and not just rely on maturation it's a huge part of the process but we put so much into Uh, making sure the spirit tastes great before it even gets near a barrel very good Uh, but the process butts uh, hogheads, uh, bourbon barrels, rum barriques. A little bit of all of them in there. Um, we started with a, a spine of um, all the liquid going into bourbon barrels. And then from there, we re-racked some of that into the PX, the Oloroso and the rum barriques. And some of them even went from the bourbon into the sherry casks and then into the rum as well. So we really tried to give ourselves as much different flavors as possible to work with here. You know what it is, Rob? It's art. It's an art. Absolutely it is. Um, and um, it's lovely to put art together with a group of people that really love what they're doing. We're talking Hollywood Distillery in Old Town, Edinburgh, with Rob Carpenter, the co-founder, and Callum Ray, Hollywood's distillery manager. What did you guys make on uh, World Whiskey Day? You released something? Oh. Uh, yeah, so we've kind of got a bit of a tradition now where we will take inspiration from uh, different parts of the world and come up with a new spirit profile based on that. So... Uh, our kind of uh, first one to kick that off was based around Japan. So we took Japanese sake yeast and we used some very traditional distilling techniques to kind of uh, pay tribute to Japan. And then the next one? Was uh, Mexico that we chose for that one. So that was a great one. Our distillery manager at the time was like, uh, he sent us an email that just said, I want to go to Mexico. We thought he was just going on vacation, <laughs> but turns out this was our new uh, jumping off point. So we used... Um, a bunch of different malts that were based around Mexican lagers, but also uh, tequila yeast and Mexican Mezcal. lager yeast as well. Yes. Mezcal. So, yeah, we got that nice kind of little bit of green smokiness that you would uh, kind of associate with a Mezcal or a tequila, but very much a Scotch whiskey spirit. I made these notes, as I said, at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, playing with experimenting with flavors. Heritage barleys caught my ear and eye because that, that means... That can be barleys that have gone extinct and have been regrown. What happened there? Uh, absolutely, yeah. So, of course, as uh, time has developed, certain barley strains become more prominent for the fact that they have a certain flavor that people like, or more often than not, it's because you can get more alcohol out of them. But yeah. we like to champion the heritage malts that have maybe gone out of style because they don't have huge yield, but what they do give us is incredible flavor an incredible texture as well. We want you to really have a different feeling every time you try one of our uh, drinks as well. It's just a taste. Yeah, it's wonderful to use the heritage malts. Um, There's 
some of them are just legendary. Golden Promise and the McAllens of the 70s and 80s, you know, and, and to be able to use these things and even earlier uh, malts. And, and a lot of them are still used in beer, but the distilling industry looks for efficiency, so they've, they've turned their back on them. So. Okay, we're going to taste. That's it. Uh, here's, the, here's the deal. But I need to know from you, Rob, because you can answer this. What kind of whiskey country are we Canadians? Do we get it? Do we understand? Do we appreciate the history? Do we know what, we're ha- what we have in our hand? I don't know that most Canadians appreciate the whiskey heritage in Canada. Um, and I, you know, if you haven't already, you should interview Davin de Kergamo. Um, and, you know, he'll tell you all the history. But Canada has a great, great whiskey heritage um, and makes great whiskey. It's not in the Scottish style, it's in our style. It's hugely popular in the States, but I don't think Canadians appreciate it very much. Are you available in Canada? We will be. Um, Arrival is available in Alberta right now and is making its way to BC and will be out in the next week. Is there one province in particular that likes whiskey more than any other? Uh, I think, you know, Canadians across the board love their whiskey. Oh, uh, now you're being, that's just. I mean, I will say, you know, if, if you want selection, you know, you've got to be in Alberta. Yeah, the private retail system allows Albertans to get fantastic selection. BC is not far behind, but, but unfortunately our friends in the East suffer from their, their government monopolies. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there. Uh, and finally, um, how do they like it back home? Uh, yeah, it's it's gone down very well, which we're delighted with. You know, we want to be a distillery that appeals to a lot of people, but if your local fan base aren't happy, you're doing something wrong, and we're delighted to say that they're really picking up what we put down back home. And we actually released another whiskey just last week, and we're lucky enough that it sold out within a day and a half. Called? uh, That was our first single cask release. It was uh, single cask 147. And, uh, yeah, it was gone before we knew it was here. And, and what's to come? What can we tease with? Uh, we can tease that our next big flagship to follow arrival will be a peated whiskey. Uh, as for the name, not too sure at this current moment in time. We're still all coming together on that one. Same bunch of people sitting around a table? Uh, a couple of new faces, but, yeah, plenty of old faces as well. Uh, Rob, a follow-up question. Who is the whiskey drinker? 2024? I think it's everybody. There is uh, a real exploratory um, view on spirits in this new generation. People want to try new things. Uh, We see lots of women coming into the sector. It's not your old man's drinking a leather chair by the fireplace anymore. How about the younger whiskey fan? Uh, We're seeing a lot of people being more moderate in their consumption, and that's that's great. Um, You know, it is a a drink less but better thing from our perspective. Do you know where I see younger whiskey drinkers? Well, they are because they're making it. They're get, they're getting into the business, right, Kellen? Absolutely. You know, it's a big point of pride for us that it's a, a nice, diverse team that helped not only make Arrival but make the uh, stuff that we've got coming down the pipeline as well. We, Much like when we built this, we had lots of people involved. You need all kinds of taste buds, whether that's men, women, non-gendered people. You want them all involved because everything that unites us is just a love of whiskey. So that's the way we want to go, and we want to champion that as much as we can. We're talking Hollywood Distillery in Old Town, Edinburgh, with Rob Carpenter, the co-founder, and Callum Ray, Hollywood's distillery manager. You, Rob, you use the term Moorish. Where does that come from? Well, it's a Scottish term for you want to go back for more. 
essentially. And we think we've created a, a whiskey, and really we had this intent of we want people to drink it and enjoy it and share it and, uh, and finish it. Um, so, you know, some new distilleries, you buy the new one because you want to try it, and two years later, it's still two-thirds full. We want this finished. So we tried to make it very Moorish. It's very viscous and, and mouth-filling and tasty. Callum, when you were sitting around that table with the other 10 other folks, what did you tell them that you wanted Arrival to be? Um, to kind of follow on with uh, what Rob said, I wanted it to be smashable is the term that I would use. So you can really knock this back and, as we say, go back for more. I just wanted it to be a chance for people to really start to get into... Uh, it's like a gateway whiskey is what I want. I want people to try Arrival and have their mind opened to other whiskies that are out there and start to go down that journey that we've all been lucky enough to go down. Okay, last question. What should we know about the, the, the name Holyrood? What's the history? Um, it's based off of our locality in Edinburgh. So we're right next to Holyrood Park, not far from the palace there and also the uh, parliament building in Edinburgh as well. So we're right in the middle of the city and the hub of what's going on in the modern day. But Website? Holyrooddistillery.co.uk Thank you. Thank you for this. Let's taste. Also historically a very prominent part. So... We're proud of where we're from, and we like to show that off as much as we can. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery and Bistro on the Naramata Bench. Well, Valentine's Day is coming up, and we ask the question, what's even better than a bouquet of roses? A bundle of rosés. They've put together a special Valentine's Day-themed six-pack. Two bottles of Below the Rose Rosé, three bottles of Hillside Rosé, and one Soiree en Rosé Fortified. In order to receive those bottles by February the 14th, order your bundle by Wednesday, February the 7th, and enjoy complimentary shipping on your bundles. You can find all the details at hillsidewinery.ca. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. February the 13th, they're going to be watching the Era's Tour movie on the big screen over the loudspeakers. There'll be uh, Taylor trivia, nibbles from the Modest Butcher, and of course wine. And... Mocktails for Miners. A casual night to mingle, enjoy the music, and sip on some wines. And of course, they have Valentine's Day gift packs. You want to get in touch with Danielle Stedman, the Chief Gifting Officer at Mount Boucherie. And the latest library release is the 2018 Merlot. All the details can be found at mountboucherie.com. We're talking with Irma Jovier and Michelle Debus, the founders of Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario, who have just been named the Canadian Whiskey of the Year at the 2024 Canadian Whiskey Awards for the Paradigm Spirits 2022 Heritage Collection. You guys must be so busy. We are. We, <laughs> we are having a hard time keeping up. <laughs> thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for wanting to talk to us. Well, everybody wants to talk to you. Uh, this is Taste Room Radio. I'm Terry David Mulligan. We have found the two busiest people in all of London, Ontario, and perhaps Canada. Irma Jovier and Michelle Dibas, who are the partners in Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario. And I did my due diligence down at the Victoria Whiskey Festival and tried to do as many interviews as possible when I was told that uh, Paradigm had won the Whiskey of the Year in Canada. I said, where do I find them? How do I interview them? And they said, they're not here. They didn't come. 
last year, the same thing happened with um, Sons of Vancouver. They didn't go over either because they didn't think they'd win. They, they, they were just interested in entering the competition and, and being judged. What were your thoughts going into the, the competition? Was there a conversation about um, which whiskey to send? Yeah, the awards seasons kind of roll around annually and there are awards all over the world. Um, so I think a lot of distilleries are faced with where to send uh, which of their products. And um, we made a decision to send our 2022 Heritage Collection um, despite having a release that was right on the horizon, um, we thought that we'd hold on to that one um, to get a little bit of sense as to what people thought about it before what, submitting what was it, it. What was that called? It's called Chapter One Weeded, and it's available for sale now because, of course, a number of months have elapsed since the time that we submitted the, the whiskey for the award. So that, that whiskey is out in the market today. Um, the reason we chose the 2022 Heritage, though, to go was because um, we made a gamble uh, in making that whiskey in that we we wanted to leverage a rule that was not being used in Canadian whiskey making. We feel like that whiskey that uh, one um, is unique. It's got a flavorful profile unlike anything we had found on the market. And it goes without saying that we're particularly fond of it because we won't make and sell anything we're not fond of we are in fact absolutely blown away that uh it was so it has been so very very well received and it has been received very well at other awards as well but um having it uh present so well at home um amongst the behemoth whiskies that are available in canada from some of the best whiskey makers in the world undeniably the best in the world yeah blown away that we were in you know, such great company. We're just a small craft distillery in London at this point. That's that's the deal. For your whiskey to rise above 199 other whiskeys at the end of a lot of tasting, they're tasting at home, but still it's the same thing. It's astonishing how the mind all of a sudden says, no, that's it. That's the one. So very distinctive. You just never know. But Michelle, there is something here. You do have to taste around. You have to taste the competition to know where you stand as well, don't you? Yeah, we do. Uh, one of the best parts about what we do is that we're a young distillery and our staff are, we have two uh, exceptional distillers. One comes from a brewing background and the other uh, pure distillation background. When you open a distillery, um, you have a big learning curve. Uh, what kind of product is that still going to produce? Well, what's, what's your distillate going to taste like? Um, how long is it going to take? And there's so many questions. And we made a choice to um, source product and bring that product in-house and develop a blending team that is a blending team that's as deep as our company is in that um, we all participate in that process of blending and finishing and rectifying and tasting. And so... We, we, of course, tasted lots of other sherry butt finishes uh, <laughs> along our path, and we tasted our own product. It's research. Literally. It's research. But, it's yeah, research. It's, fun. it's a ton of research, and that's the fun of the, that's, that's where the magic happens. It was aged 19 years, is that correct? Correct. It, it begs two questions. Wh when did you become a company? We opened our doors in 2020 at the height of the pandemic after about three years of business planning and building this facility. You sourced that whiskey. We absolutely did source the whiskey, yes. Um, we will be sourcing whiskey for the foreseeable future because we don't imagine anything we make will be worth drinking for quite some time. 
What were you doing 19 years ago? What business were you in? Uh, both of us were in the high tech field. High tech. Both pretty fresh out of school. Um, maybe a little wiser than the, and then the greens uh, upon uh, graduation, but we both worked in tech. We, we, we come from a tech background, Michelle more on the uh, programming and operation side and me on the journey, the experience, customer experience and, and, and process uh, journeys. So um, we both come from tech. This was the midlife crisis. We're talking with Irma Jovier and Michelle Debus, the founders of Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario, winners of the Canadian Whiskey Awards. When did the devil whiskey have its way with you? When did you all of a sudden become interested? Well, in 2016, um, I uh, fell ill and was home for a period of time having treatment. And during that time, Instagram was taking off and cocktail culture uh, became something that got me through treatment. And I learned about cocktails and I was enamored by these beautiful cocktails. My dad had always been a whiskey man. And uh, so we grew up in a Scotch household. And uh, one day we wandered into a craft distillery on the East Coast called Ironworks, a beautiful little distillery in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. And we had learned of this couple who had created this distillery out of very little background knowledge. And we thought, well, that's kind of cool. We've seen lots of breweries. We've seen wineries. We haven't spent a lot of time in distilleries. And I think we fell in love that day because we yeah. we saw about 200 more distilleries in a matter of a year. And the next thing we knew, we were writing a business plan and wondering if it was actually something that we could make happen. Did you have a home then? Did you know where you were going to place yourselves? No, okay. no, we were living in Waterloo at the time, and uh, we started looking for an appropriate setting for the distillery, and we looked at a number of them before we got a call one day from the folks that own this property here at 100 Kellogg Lane, and they had recently purchased the property, and they were making plans to transform it over a number of years into like a burgeoning destination, sure. and they wanted a distillery here. So we came, and uh, we toured, and we drank the Kool-Aid. All right, just a couple of things. 19-year-old blended with just a touch of sherry. How much sherry do you think? Less than 3%. Okay. More for the nose? What did the sherry do for you? We felt that we needed to rectify the finish. Okay. And um, we wanted to impart a jamminess because this particular distillate at 19 years, um, we one of the things we do when we're approaching what we want to come out with at the end of our practice is... Uh, how versatile the product is in various applications. So we felt that that whiskey was a Manhattan whiskey. It was a Manhattan in the making and that it had all of the notes of a classic Manhattan, but it needed some fruit punch. And we we used a, we, we've used a number of barrels. We've experimented with barrels and we do that from time to time, but we weren't achieving what we wanted. And we said, you know what? Let's try this. This is what this rule was for. Nobody used it that way then. Let's use it the right way. Irma Jovier and Michelle Debus, the co-founders of Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario. Why Oloroso? 
we were particularly fond of the Oloroso that we were able to get our hands on. And you also have to remember that at the time we were in the pandemic, nothing was being imported into this country. So it was very difficult to get our hands on anything. And I don't want to say we wound up with all that we could choose from. We chose what we felt was the absolute best representation. And uh, we had to make a change in that. Uh, we had an initial first batch release. Um, I think it was fewer than a thousand bottles that went out. Yeah. And then we ran subsequent batches, one of which is the one that went to the awards. It had a, a, a different sherry, same vintage, like same vineyard, um, but a different, a different, um, uh, a different profile, slightly different profile. I don't know that the average consumer could tell we can, but uh, batch two and three subsequently have been a, a different sherry. How many bottles left? As of this morning, under a thousand. Duplication. Can you? No. And I don't think that's something that we uh, want to do. Our goal is to uh, release as many unique whiskeys as we can um, and to use this journey as a learning. So I mentioned that we have another release out now. It's a weeded whiskey, two parts wheat to one part corn. Absolutely uh, very unique whiskey. We were inspired by the folks at um, Journeyman. Journeyman Distillery, uh, just south of the border here. In Michigan. Uh, in Michigan, who had put out a, a weeded whiskey called Corsets and Whips uh, that we were really fascinated by. And we decided we wanted to do a weeded whiskey as well. And we wound up with this weeded blend, two parts wheat, one part corn. All of our whiskeys will be different because they will all be limited in release um, according to what we're able to source. And in this case, the 19 year has come to an end. And uh, unfortunately, we, we won't be putting any more out. We're talking with Irma Jovier and Michelle Debus the founders of Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario, who have just been named the Canadian Whiskey of the Year at the 2024 Canadian Whiskey Awards for the Paradigm Spirits 2022 Heritage Collection. So happy for your success. Um, actually, you. I, I think you might have seen the, the comments from uh, Davin de Kergamo. Sublime Absolutely. complexity and elegance. Are you able to talk to the people who made that original barrel? I do very often. What do they think? <laughs> well, I think when we first purchased uh, what we did, they might have thought we were crazy because they probably don't deal with people like us very often that come in off the street and say, what's the very best that you have? Because we don't want anything else but that. Looking back, I might have we might have been a little brazen in our approach, yeah, but possibly. but we got quite lucky. And, uh, you know, they they welcomed us and they um, they they shared some of what they they had that maybe they couldn't make the best use of for whatever reason. And I think I think um, they were curious about what we might do. And we haven't really talked to them yet since uh, hearing of everybody's awards last week. But we're we're quite certain that they're going to be as surprised as we are. And we're hopeful that they that this gives them some confidence that that we can continue to work together and and bring great whiskey to Canadians because uh, we think we we know what Canadians want. I believe uh, the blending of uh, wines, especially the big reds, is an art form. The blending of whiskey is also an art form. Mm -hmm. It takes an entire lifetime to figure out how to blend whiskey. This is a school for you. you school is open. We learn every day, every single day. Maybe that's the biggest lesson for us in all of this and is that we took an unconventional approach. We yeah. could have gone out and hired storied famed distillers. We could have gone and found people that had years and years of experience making exceptional product. Instead, we've hired young people with a determination and a passion. And 
we've spent all of our time in the last three years trying to harness that passion and figure out how best to keep these people happy, motivated, and wanting to be here um, with us as this journey unfolds. And we're just we're just getting started. Yeah. Okay. How's your health? I am cancer-free, and go. every day is a blessing. So a thousand bottles left. What was the original asking price? What was the, what was the price point? Uh, in Ontario, where things hurt the most, it's uh, one hundred and thirty-four dollars and ninety-five cents after taxes and deposit. <laughs> but uh, we do offer shipping, and uh, we ship to most jurisdictions in Canada wherever we're allowed legally to do so. We will. Our website's been inordinately busy, and we have a number of people behind the doors putting orders together. <laughs> we are absolutely blessed uh, for this recognition. Uh, we can't thank uh, the committee and everybody in the whiskey community enough for supporting us because we've been met with open arms everywhere we go. And uh, we feel extremely blessed for real. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Same to you. You've been such a pleasure to talk to. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Irma Jovier and Michelle Debus, the founders of Paradigm Spirits in London, Ontario, who have just been named the Canadian Whiskey of the Year at the 2024 Canadian Whiskey Awards for the Paradigm Spirits 2022 Heritage Collection. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. February the 13th, they're going to be watching the Era's Tour movie on the big screen over the loudspeakers. There'll be a Taylor trivia, nibbles from the Modest Butcher, and of course wine. And mocktails for minors. A casual night to mingle, enjoy the music, and sip on some wines. And, of course, they have Valentine's Day gift packs. You want to get in touch with Danielle Stedman, the Chief Gifting Officer at Mount Boucherie. And the latest library release is the 2018 Merlot. All the details can be found at mountboucherie.com. His name is uh, James Lester. My name is Terry David Mulligan. We are uh, gathering uh, to talk whiskey with the Sons of Vancouver. Uh, James is uh, the uh, co-founder. They all have their hands in the whisking, spirit-making, distilling process. So we, we congratulate them all. James, did you come to the, uh, the Whiskey Festival in Victoria? I did. It was our first year attending the awards. That, and I understand. we embarrassed ourselves. We, we told that story because uh, last year you didn't attend and uh, you won. And uh, this year they didn't attend and they won, the ladies from London, Ontario. They I were think long... it's good luck. Hmm? Paragon. I believe it's good luck not yeah. to attend. <laughs> Well, that's going to be passed on. Um, we've already talked to Davin de Kergamo, uh, Graham McElhoney, uh, Tish Harkis from Canadian Club, uh, James Neal from Bowmore. Did you get a chance to try some Bowmore? Oh, lots of Bowmore. <laughs> Callum Ray, the distillery manager, and Rob Carpenter, the co-founder of Hollywood. Did you try Hollywood? Absolutely. Uh, Bob Baxter from Two Brewers who did really well. Uh, Chris Reed from Shelter Point up the island. And then I started to make notes. Oh, Steelhead in Duncan. They did exceptionally well. Gold and bronze. And then That's I made my list uh, of- Raya of the Year, wasn't it? Oh, the, yes, Raya of the Year. You guys, Sons of Vancouver, won gold for summer road trip across the Midwest. Uh, palm trees and a tropical breeze. Caribbean Cask Rye 2023, uh, Desert Grass and Blue Agave, uh, and a silver went to Rating Nona's Liquor Cabinet. So 
it's not the same thing as going away with whiskey of the year, but that's a grand total. That's really good stuff. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, we're very happy. What was it? Uh, 200 whiskeys and 10 judges, mm-hmm. something like that. So what were your thoughts going in? Did you did you feel comfortable with your with the whiskeys that you uh, entered the competition? My thoughts going in are always the same on something like this. I just try not to embarrass myself. Uh, I, I got up to get my photo taken and I embarrassingly still had my napkin tucked into my shirt. It was at a buffet dinner and uh, lots of fun. Once you won that award last year, we, the consumer, the whiskey fan, expected more. Some people would go crazy and expect even better. What did you expect of you? What did you ask of yourself going into this this follow-up year? Really? We just wanted to take home some golds. That's, uh, you know, as a as a business owner, as a guy who makes booze, that's the most you can hope for. To expect you're going to win the big one every year? Oh, you know, holy cow. That's a big task. Um, it's definitely like, it's definitely like taking home the cake. But in, in the best case scenario, like, like you can only hope for a bunch of golds. I'm trying to, and, I'm trying to yeah. imagine, I'm sorry, I'm trying to imagine myself in your position. Um, if I had gone away with the tiara like you did, and you wore it well. How did that affect what you did this year for for these whiskeys, for these releases? Did you change anything? Did you try to catch yourself second guessing yourself? No, no, that that part didn't really affect it. Like we we didn't go out to like make award winning whiskey or like game the system or something. Um, I, I wish that there was something you could just like a machine you could pour a whiskey in and chat GPT would tell you like the formula to, to produce an award-winning whiskey. Um, you know, two years ago, it was, uh, it was a crown Royal winter wheat, uh, which is like sort of, you know, wheat is an exceedingly vanilla grain. Um, ours last year, mid fifties as a percent, um, finished in a rum barrel, not cask strength. This year, it was um, it was a whiskey that uh, had some sherry influence. Yeah, nineteen years old was it was aged for nineteen years, and uh, I believe was bottled at forty six percent, maybe forty seven. So even a bit lower than ours. And and like I'm going to say the judges, but like you know the judges are largely just very educated consumers, and uh, well also like uh, you know whiskey writers and things like that, but very educated consumers. And it was what they were looking for. To like to be able to to be able to predict that from year to year. Holy smokes, you gotta have your ear to the ground. His name is uh, James Lester. We are uh, gathering uh, to talk whiskey with the Sons of Vancouver. Are you working with sherry in some of your blends because what I've noticed in all of these interviews I've been doing, the word sherry keeps coming up. We will have a sherry down the road. Okay. Um I can't tell you when, but there'll be a time where we do one. We we release an advent calendar every year where we we do um, <laughs> just a handful of like really uh, adventurous blends or um, explorations into the world of of rye whiskey, and we we do some stuff in that that we normally couldn't get away with, and we've done sherry in there before so yeah. so we didn't do the we didn't do the calendar just this past christmas but we did last year and we did a sherry release in there it was one of the ones that we got more feedback on like i think a more like a lot of positive feedback came from the sherry 
over like some of the other, you know, like weeded whiskey or, or cask strength whiskey. The sherry had a lot of really good feedback. Hmm. Um, can, can you take us through, if you will, the, the gold uh, summer road trip? Um, tell us about what's in the bottle. Hmm. That's actually, that's my favorite. Um, I, I, <laughs> I felt that that was a shoe in for the gold. I was really happy <laughs> with that one. Um, the other, the other releases are their other barrel finishes. This is my favorite because, uh, I suppose a it's cask strength. It's about 63% and it's, it's a hundred percent a blend. Like it wasn't, it, it was a mix of many barrels together, yeah. but it wasn't finished in anything. And a lot of times, um, finishing sort of gets a, a bad reputation because, if it's not done properly, it'll be overwhelming in one flavor or it'll have way too much, um, you know, peated whiskey influence or, or whatever sort of barrel it goes into. But this one was really just a demonstration of um, of the components that went into it. And we set out with an idea that was largely, that uh, was largely actually Max who worked here. He wanted to make a whiskey that was Canadian uh, by definition but was really blended in the direction of an American rye, which ah. are which are more popular in like in the style of rye. Uh, it has a lot of mineral content, so there's a little bit of like a, you know I would call it like um like like slate or granite. There's like there's a very rock note in there, and the sort of quintessential American rye feature is. Uh, is new American oak, which this has in it as well. Yeah. One of the rules of American rye is that it has to be aged in new oak. This was this was primarily um, ex bourbon barrels, but there is a big element of um, of new oak in there. It's really just like a like a punch you in the face, <laughs> heavy rye whiskey. There's a lot of spice, a lot of clove in the in, in baking notes in there. Summer road trip across the Midwest. Okay, is there any left? Oh, no, it's all sold out. Oh, thank you so much. for. Oh, you know, actually, Terry, there's a bottle on Craigslist right now. There's a guy on Craigslist <laughs> selling a bottle for 200 bucks. It's your last <laughs> chance to get it. <laughs> what was the original price point? Oh, 120. That's not bad. Okay. I just told you it was my favorite one. His name is uh, James Lester. We are uh, gathering uh, to talk whiskey with the Sons of Vancouver, Palm Trees and a Tropical Breeze did well. Gold. Gold. So this is another example of how how consumers consumer preferences change yep. over time. Um, last year, gold medal as well, but Canadian Whiskey of the Year. This year, still a gold medal, not Canadian Whiskey of the Year. How different was it from the first, from last year? Incredibly similar. Ah. Really similar. Oh. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to blend an award winning whiskey. It's twice as hard to do it twice. Maybe taste change, or they just got it. Well, never mind. Um, I think that like I think that tastes just change over time. You know, desert grass and blue agave. What am I holding? That's the bottle you got. There's about uh, about three drops left in the bottom, if I can see from here. Yep. So this is um, oh man, this is 100% rye that was aged in a series of tequila barrels and then finished in a mezcal barrel as well. So we'd have, uh, we'd have pulled all of 
uh, all of the elements of this. So it's probably a compilation of three or four different whiskeys that went into making it. We blended them together in the proportions that we liked. Uh, one of the characteristics of rye, especially American rye, actually, is a is a big grassy note in there that sometimes comes through. Sometimes comes through as dill pickle as well, but it's it's really a green note. We blended that together and wanted to bring out the vegetal qualities of it. You know, things that you get when you think of um, of a tequila, in fact, that agave yeah. note. And so we finished it in uh, in two tequila barrels and then moved it to a mezcal barrel as the last finishing barrel. Did you want that uh, Oaxaca uh, uh, smoky mezcal uh, lingering aftertaste? We did. It, it didn't. The mezcal didn't come through as much yeah. as we were hoping, but that might have only been just just by the fact that it had spent so much time in. Um, in tequila barrels prior to that. I sometimes find that the the oak influence will dull down um, big flavors like that like the yeah you the wouldn't want dull. you wouldn't want to dull down anything mm-hmm. No, we're not in the dulling business no. um, His name is uh, James Lester with the sons of Vancouver. The uh, silver was rating Nona's liquor cabinet. Was there a Nona was what were we rating Nona's? Where did this come from? Uh, Jenna, our nice. Jenna who works here, my yeah. partner, is a is our Sons of Vancouver Italian descendant, and she grew up going through her Nona's liquor cabinet, finding all the you know weird bottles covered in dust, full of bitter things that were unpalatable to a uh, to an unrefined palate. <laughs> we got a couple used Amaro barrels, which is the Amaro is the Italian bitter yeah. from the Woods Distillery here in North Vancouver. And we aged whiskey in there, uh, in those used bitter barrels for, for the last six years. How much? Then, how much did it change in the six years? Oh my God, it was so bitter. Um, I'll send you a sample. I think we got some of this one left. Okay. And then blended it out with, uh, you know, to really, really keep it as a true whiskey. It, you wouldn't drink it and think it was a liqueur, but straight out of that barrel, you might. Are there any of these left? No. Sold out. The whole list I just mentioned. Hate to disappoint the you. Whole, uh, ladies and gentlemen, my apologies. One of the things that ticks people off more than anything is to talk about something that you can't get your hands on. Why are you talking <laughs> about it? However, I want you to know there is a way. There's a means to to this. One more thing. You uh, talk about, uh, you uh, give me a tease on rolling hills in the morning mist. Is coming? That's our next release, yeah. And it is a... It's a 100% rye whiskey that was aged in used Isla barrels. So used Scotch barrels from Isla. But I don't want you to think smoky. These are Northern Isla barrels. So you're going to get a lot more salinity than you are smoke. You're going to get a lot more of like a savory note as well. That really plays with that vegetal note that's in there. Any peat influence? There's a little bit of peat influence, but I don't want you to get your hopes up on lots of smoke. It's really that salinity that stands out as Isla whiskey. Okay, I'm just telling you, from all the interviews that I did, I heard the words uh, uh, sherry and peat. A lot of conversation. Oh, yeah. A lot of conversation about sherry, especially sherry. Okay, so when does Rolling Hills come out? Probably in the next few weeks. We haven't picked a date yet, but we're still... Uh... Could you talk to marketing about that? <laughs> I'll tell you. It would be a lot sooner if we didn't have a whiskey festival last week. That's true. Okay, so that's coming. Now, how does the audience get ready for the next releases? Where is the whiskey list? How do they join the club? Go to our website, sign up for the mailing list. That's going to get you the first notification when a whiskey is coming. 
We'll give a couple days notice, about four or five days notice. When it goes on sale, buy at the hour of. His name is uh, James Lester with the Sons of Vancouver. Could maybe the people listening in Alberta or Vancouver Island maybe get a little more heads up so that we could maybe you know, find that find the, uh, the the good ferry rate to get over because just a day trip over and back. You can buy it online. Okay, cool. Buy it online within an hour, like when it goes on sale. You know, great. is it the only place we can find the whiskeys? This release. And going forward, there will be some distributed to private liquor stores. Like a, like a real business. Yeah like, yeah, like a real distillery. We will sell to liquor stores. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay. Well, Actually, Terry, all right. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a hint here. I haven't told this to anyone okay. yet. Okay, all right. The Strath liquor store in Victoria, we sold them two cases for the whiskey event that happened last weekend. They may have some left. I wouldn't be surprised if you could if you called the Strath right now and there'd be a bottle for sale. And it happens to be on the island. Adam Bradshaw. Oh yeah, nailed it. <laughs> I have his home number. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go stalk him. Get him out of bed. Where is the cool, guy? Man. Are you doing any pours as a, a business? Can we find Sons of Vancouver pouring somewhere, Whistler or Banff or whatever? Anything? I just blew off a whole bunch of people this week. Nothing I can think of. <laughs> okay. But you're not difficult. We are pouring at BC Distilled in April. Okay. Oh, let me hear. BC Distillery Festival. Okay. It's well, normally in April. And anything else you want to tease us with? Anything? We're going to do a, a release for April Fool's. I can't tell you anything about it. Oh, okay. But um, every year for April Fool's Day, we release a new product. All of our old products. We're going to do five or six different products for April Fool's Day this year. Uh, there'll be some of the old ones, so I, I can give you a hint here. Um, the blue curacao is coming back. The uh, the coconut liqueur is coming back. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm probably missing a whole bunch of good ones. We're doing an advent calendar this year. Uh, so the advent calendar is coming back. It's going to be 12 whiskey liqueurs and 12 blended whiskeys. You know, James, uh, James. pre-sale for that will probably happen in, uh, James. in March. James. It's February. What? Why are we talking? Because <laughs> it always sells out, Terry. That's the reason. We just got through Christmas. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, f this is fantastic. Uh, I phoned actually to have this conversation uh, to get you on camera, uh, and, but also to to just say how impressed I am with with the road that you've the race that you've run, the road that you've traveled. Uh, stick into your guns. Nobody's pushing. There's no nobody's coming. You you just you're going to do what you do, and you're going to stand by it. Thank you very much, Terry. Maybe one of these days I'll get you a bottle before it goes on sale that we can talk <laughs> uh, about. <laughs> this is very cool. What's your website? Sonsofvancouver.ca. And that's where the, where they can sign up for the mailing list. Yep. Okay. Onward, my friend. Onward. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your handlers uh, over over top of your shoulder there. Thank you very much, Terry. This has always been great. This is really cool. Thank you. His name is uh, James Lester with the Sons of Vancouver.